Welcome to The Truth, The Music and Me, the podcast. The Truth, The Music and Me. I'm Tamara Stewart and I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. You can drop us a line if you want to send us an email, podcast at tamarastewartmusic.com. Well, welcome to episode nine of The Truth, The Music and Me, the podcast. I'm Tamara Stewart and we started off in ruin. We worked our way through recovery and we have arrived at the rising. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh. (laughs) Does it come as a surprise that I dance? As if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. (laughs) Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain, I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling and bearing in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear. I rise. That is, of course, the amazing Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. And it was written in 1978. Well, that's when it was first published, at least. And it's still so inspiring and so powerful. And now that Maya has passed, I'm certain those words are going to continue to inspire and empower for many generations to come. rising and that was the rising uh that's a little bit of a sneak peek i always say sneak peek i can't help it uh of the song that opens part three of the truth of music and me part three is called rising that song is called the rising how do we come up with this stuff uh but i will say actually i'm being funny because this song was written before the concept of this album kind of came about in my head so um, I was just being funny. Uh, in fact, this song was written on Cinco de Mayo, which is May the 5th here in the USA. I do remember that. And uh, and I wrote it with Clay Mills, who is an incredible songwriter here in Nashville. Clay is responsible for co-writing um, a few of my favourite songs, Beautiful Mess by Diamond Rio. It's a beautiful mess, what a beautiful mess I'm in. That one. And uh, Don't Think I Don't Think About It, Darius Rucker, he co-wrote that and looked lots and lots and lots of songs um, for Trisha Yearwood and, yeah, it goes on and on and on. So Clay's definitely uh, a, a songwriter that I feel really honoured to get to create with. So we wrote this song and it was about, you know, talking about my story and where I was at at the time and uh, what I was moving towards. And I now had the opportunity to make some really good decisions about my life, live with intention, work out what the next chapter's going to look like. And I was finally ready to move forward. Been a long time coming But it's here
And I know it may seem silly to some people to, uh, to, to kind of have a bit of a giggle about being able to choose what I want to eat and what I want to say and do and be and see. And, but for me, I think the way that I have existed in the past in relationships is that I tend to uh, just want to do what makes the other person happy when it comes to daily events and what we eat, what we watch, those sorts of things. On the most part, not all the time, but certainly a large portion of where I spent my time and energy was via what would make the other person happy. And let's just get it really clear. I want to make sure this is established. It's not because anyone demanded that of me or expected that of me. It was just how I thought I had to be to exist in a relationship and it's because of all of the work that I did in the recovery part of this whole thing. I learned about the C word, codependence, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and how entangled I was in that mindset. I mean, just frightening. But also too, and this is kind of heavy for something we're talking about being so positive, but this is where I say about – the tunnel analogy of we kind of have to have the darkness to appreciate the light. So the heavier part of this conversation is that I realised through the work I did, the therapy and the self-analysis and trying to undo old behaviours and reprogram old patterns was that I had to feel invisible in case I wasn't good enough to be seen and be heard and still be loved. So now here I was living, you know, in another country away from the people that that knew the things that I would normally do and places I would go and eat and all that stuff. So meeting new people and them asking me, so what do, what do you like to eat? What do you like to do? What what are your hobbies? And I would be like, hmm, that's a tricky question. <laughs> I didn't know. And sometimes I would actually feel kind of silly like I'd, I want to say stupid I don't like that word but um, I would just feel weird because I wouldn't it, it's not it wasn't an easy answer for me I mean even as I'm talking about it now it's kind of funny but I, I just it took me a while to really um, get used to the freedom in that and like I said it's not because anybody imposed any restrictions on me it was just because that's how I would function in friendships and relationships and and it generally just didn't bother me it wasn't a stress I didn't it was just like I didn't care enough about what I wanted to want to do something more than the other person (laughs) anyway but so I started to uh, think about it have fun with it and think about things that I would enjoy doing and trying to do things I wouldn't normally do and really got to a stage where I felt like I started to have my own opinion about things. I started to believe different things and and challenge what I believed. And I saw a meme the other day and it said, uh, it's okay to doubt what you've been taught to believe. And that to me really sums it all up because even the things that I thought were just cut and dry weren't cut and dry anymore because my whole perspective on my life had changed. So I'm, yeah, so that's kind of the fun part of it learning what it is that I like and what I don't like. One thing that I wasn't expecting in the aftermath of everything was for so many relationships and friendships to change, fall away or simply just not 
exist anymore. And I've heard a lot of people say that about divorce or major breakups where sometimes people pick a side. It didn't really feel so much like that. But, I mean, it, it probably adds significantly to my situation the fact that I moved to a different country. So, you know, that was going to alter, you know, those relationships that were maybe based on uh, me just being around and I guess maybe what surprised me about those relationships is I thought that they ran a little deeper than just uh, convenience, let's say. It sounds a little bit harsh, but that's just how it is. So I also found what changed is how I interacted with people, what I, I don't want to say accepted for myself or just what I nurtured in my life. It was a lot harder to tolerate any kind of uh, stress or anxiety or drama, um, lack of gratitude, uh, negative thinking, any of that stuff because that's what I've battled with in myself. So I definitely didn't want to keep watering that garden in my life and certainly I knew that I was at risk of falling into those old patterns myself and like so many of us I was taught early to focus on the worry the things to worry about rather than the things that you don't need to worry about and I mean I think it's a generational thing that gets passed down and and they say even with trauma you can get generational trauma which is just um, the residuals of of parents and grandparents traumas that change their behaviours that they then pass on. So I feel like my program was to be very wary and untrusting, uh, to be cautious all the time, hypervigilant about, you know, getting ripped off or someone being dishonest or, you know, and, and obviously in my own life and the experiences that I've shared with you all, that that was reinforced. <laughs> so I had a pretty deep in me. So, so it was important for me to surround myself with people that helped me move into more of who I was trying to be and who I had become. And it's not about a better than, worse than scenario. It was just that, that way of thinking wasn't serving me anymore. It had caused a lot of damage because um, not only when we worry about things, we miss out on truly appreciating all the great things that are there. And I will say there, you know, I don't have a stress-free, easy um, life 100% of the time. I don't, you know, it's quite easy for, for me to, I could list off a bunch of things that, that aren't cool about, you know, how things turned out or, but that's not what I'm focusing on. I'm not interested in giving that stuff any power. I'm interested in giving power to the things that I feel contribute to the world, like how I can, um, how I can kind of contribute <laughs> every day in friendships and relationships and how I can do that. But also, most importantly, how I can do that and honour myself, honour my boundaries, because then I don't feel like I'm giving away out of anything less than love and positive energy. That's what I learned too, that it's okay to have boundaries. I was never real good with boundaries. Um, I didn't really understand them. They scared me. And until I understood how important they are and how to respect other people's boundaries, it's 
it's been the most freeing, ironically, the most freeing thing because I'm so comfortable with my boundaries that I can speak my truth to, uh, to somebody with, with what feels like love. Like to me, I feel like I'm saying it with love and I don't fear their reaction. I don't, um, you know, I don't have to get angry or frustrated or because it just is, it just is what it is. So, and it's okay if we're uncomfortable with it, but that's kind of just where it is. Does that make any sense? I'm not sure if that's making sense, but it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, so a boundary is, I mean, I'm sure we know what a boundary is, but a boundary is just kind of drawing a line where you, you know, you, you can compromise, there's room for compromise, but it just means that this is where I feel safest and comfortable and I welcome you to, to meet me, you know, in this space. And I think if somebody truly wants to love you, whether it's a friend, if they truly want to be connected with you uh, in a safe and functional relationship, then they'll understand where you've come from so they can understand how you need to be loved. Boundaries talk all sounds so formal and uh, regimented and it really isn't that way. It's it's not about, you know, laying all this on the line before you shake hands and make a deal to be friends with someone. It's just, uh, it really is just assumed until, you know, and, and you learn about each other and it happens organically. That's what I've found anyway. Um, I found some amazing friends that I feel truly understood by that uh, know you know, know my story and understand what's important to me and I know their story and what's important to them and um, respect and love and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, some really beautiful, beautiful um, friendships and relationships that I'm very, very grateful for. I also wanted to mention one one more thing about this whole rising concept. And as we started the episode, we heard Maya Angelou reciting her beautiful poem, Still I Rise, and Maya's story is quite heartbreaking in how her life started out and truly does um, emphasize the power and the truth in her words and how she could write a poem like that with such conviction. But as an eight-year-old little girl, uh, Maya was raped by um, someone within uh, or known to her family. And so Maya uh, told somebody what had happened and the next morning that man was found dead. She felt like as a child, as an eight-year-old child, she felt responsible for the man's death. So Maya's solution as an eight-year-old was to not speak because from what she could gather, her words were damaging. Her words hurt people. So in those five years when Maya wasn't speaking, she was reading. She absolutely fell in love with reading and uh, that became a new passion. And eventually when she did start speaking again and then started writing and sharing her words and thoughts again, it was evident that that was her purpose. The pain she had suffered then bled into her purpose, which was absolutely uh, so inspiring. And 
there's just that truth and that beauty in, in the way that she sees the world. So I just think that is such a beautiful way to inspire us to – we would never wish this stuff on on anybody. We don't want people to go through hard times. But if we are in a situation where things are happening that are hurting, maybe, just maybe, there's a way that it's able to be used to serve, to use to to love. Maybe there's a way that, that from it something beautiful can come. So I thank Maya for that example and how she pioneered for for the rising for for so so many people and will continue to do so so that is episode nine of the truth the music and me the podcast i can't believe it looks it's going to be over soon it's just been such an amazing an amazing little uh little trip man this is cool so next week we've got episode 10 so we've you know, we've been in ruin, we've come through recovery, we worked really hard through all that stuff, had some difficult conversations, we're now in the rising. So as I try to work out what I'm going to tell you about next week's show, here's a snippet of the song. Okay, so that's (laughs) next week on The Truth, The Music and Me, the podcast. We will have love and trouble. I've got to do some thinking about what I'm going to share about that song because, uh, yeah. Anyway, you have been listening to episode nine, The Rising of The Truth, The Music and Me. I'm super excited for you to come on back next week. Podcast at Tamara Stewart Music drop drop com. Wow, I really am freaked out about love and trouble. .com, you can email us. Uh, go to the website. If you're in the UK, we've got some shows happening there. I'd love, I'd love you to come and say good day. But until next week, take care of yourself. The truth, the music, and me.